Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tirza Price. We are recording this on March 24th, and before I dive in, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a new thing we've got going on over at Book Riot. So if you're looking for fascinating news stories, informed takes, useful advice, and just more interesting deep dives from the world of books and reading, then you should subscribe to Book Riot's newest newsletter, The Deep Dive, and you'll get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. So you can subscribe and choose your membership level at bookriot.substack.com. So basically what we're doing is we are tapping the experts to share um, just more in-depth insight uh, based off of their years of knowledge about books and publishing. Um, we're also looking for experiences um, from readers and book curators and research on lesser known histories to illuminate and inspire book lovers. So subscriptions start at $5 a month and you can get this deep dive edition in your new inbox twice a month. If you are on the fence or you just um, want to check us out before committing, there is a free subscription. It's called the Splash Pad, and it rounds up some of our experts' recommended reading and bookish lifestyle goods monthly. So again, that's bookriot.substack.com. Hello, Erica. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing well. You know, about to get into spring, which is cute, except for the... The pollening, as I've seen it called. The great pollening, yes. The great pollening. I don't know if you suffer from allergies. I suffer, I have allergies all the time, but spring is like, huh, times 10. I, I get fall allergies. Mm. The ragweed comes out and I'm done. The raggedy ragweed. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But I can sympathize because, oh my gosh, it is the worst. And it's yeah. like all, it, like you wake up one day and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so. What? Excuse me? Yep. I just, <laughs> before we started recording, I know I mentioned I just ordered Flonase. I'm waiting for it to arrive. <laughs> you gotta prep. So that's that. But Yeah. I know we've got some interesting adaptation news. Yes. Amazon has ordered um, a series based off of the YA novel We Were Liars by Eve Lockhart. Just a little book you might have heard of. Just a little one. Yeah. We were so funny because right before we started recording... Erica had asked, like, how long has that book been out? And I was like, forever. 2014. (laughs) So almost 10 years. But um, I'm going to feel like a dinosaur being like, well, I remember when that book came out. (laughs) But I do. I do remember when that book came out, though, because there were arcs that were very exclusive. Mm. And they, you know, this was kind of coming off of, like, 
the success of Gone Girl, where it was like oh. an entire marketing plan was built around being like, there's a twist. Don't yeah. tell anybody what the twist is. And so I just remember everybody being like, you know, doing their galley brags and being like, have you read We Were Liars yet? And oh, my God, what did you think of the twist? But don't spoil it. And it, I mean, it was a it was a very effective marketing plan as far That's as clever. like getting people like hyped about the book. But I also feel like sometimes when you know that there's going to be a big twist coming, like you know, you go in hyper vigilant and like looking and trying to like guess every little plot twist. I'm not saying this to be insufferable, but like I did figure out the twist on like page 30. <laughs> I don't know why that is so funny. I'm not saying this to be insufferable, but like I did see it coming a mile away. So all of you other girls conceive. Right? Well, I'm like, I don't know if I would have seen it coming if I had, like, gone into that book just, like, not knowing anything about it. Just being like, this is a great book. There might be a little bit of a mystery to it. But, yeah, as I was paying attention and, like, yeah, page 30, I was like, oh, it's this. And then, I I mean, like, it didn't ruin the enjoyment of the book for me because then I wanted to know if I was right. So I was, like, speeding through the book to see if I was right. And then when I found out I was right, I was, like, looking to see how it was pulled off. Mm -hmm. But I also met plenty of people who were, like, totally shocked by the twist. So, um, but we were also talking about the fact that, like, um, Wikipedia calls it a horror novel. And Mm. I'm like, it is not horror. It's not giving horror. But... I think because, like, nobody wants to... You can't describe it too much without giving away the twist. And maybe nine years away from release, like, you know, the term limit on, on, like, keeping that twist a secret has expired. I don't know. I'm not going to say it, though, in case anybody hasn't seen it or hasn't read it. Because I do think people are discovering YA books, even older ones, all the time. Yeah, I know we were talking about, like, why, why now? Like, so many other YA novels have been adapted... And this one was super popular, so it seems like it took them. It's just been a minute. So, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's inter- It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure that the fact that TikTok made this book mm. explode and it's been yeah. on the near... Like, it was... Like, it was very popular when it came out, and I'm sure it was a bestseller when it came out. I don't have the data in front of me to, like, confirm or, and tell you definitively. But then, like, I think it fell off the New York Times bestseller list for a while, and then, like, TikTok made it popular, so then it was back on for, like, something insane, like, 26 weeks in a row. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it was just a lot, a lot. And then there was the prequel that came out, and so I'm sure, like, all of that kind of has been, yeah. like, a nice little boost, because we know that... Move boost yeah we know that hollywood likes to make money so if something is making money in the book world um but i i I agree with you i am surprised it kind of took this long and in fact i think like the joke was when the news came out was like wait wasn't this already optioned but i kind (laughs) of thought it was already adapted honestly i was like wait again yeah yeah. yeah, and it might have been option beforehand, but, like, now Amazon is, like, actually yeah. ordering the series. So it's – because, like, options are, like, it might happen, it's in development, and then, like, somebody ordering a series is, like, no, now we go, like, from in development to, like, now we're going to start shooting, so. Yeah, that's probably what it is, because that can be confusing, like, when you're looking at it, it'll be like, oh, they bought the rights, or la, 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 um, and right. then it doesn't get made, and then it getting made is a separate thing. So, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Oh, other can of worms. Yeah. But I'll be curious to see how this goes. And I'll be curious to see, too, like, you know, if they 
how, how closely they stick to the book and how they tell the story because it is a very interesting story that moves back and forth between two timelines and has a pretty big secret. So yeah, that'll be fun. That kind of sounds like our book we're going to discuss today. I know. The book that broke my heart. Oh my God. I did want to mention one other little newsy, newsy piece and that yes. is Kodansha, the publisher of manga very popular manga they're launching a manga app this may so it's just like a couple months and they've published manga like attack on titan ghost in the shell sailor moon akira fairy tale tokyo avengers blue lock so just like super duper popular ones and i think it says they're going to start off with 400 titles if it's like the shonen i think the shonen jump or shonen one i have that's only like two dollars a month so i'm excited for this if if it's comparable pricing i'll be excited to see so margaritas out there there's that for you so that should be fun i think yay for accessibility exactly And then just a quick follow-up before um, we go to our first sponsor. I want to say that I did finally watch all of season two of Shadow and Bones last week. I know. I I so badly wanted to just, like, marathon it. But, like, my life right now would not allow me to set aside, like, nine straight hours to do that. Unfortunately, like, what (sighs) is having a job in response? What's the point of being an adult if you can't watch a show for nine hours straight? Like, what, like, why? Thank you. But I I, like watched it over the course of like three or four days. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, it was so, so, so good. It was super good. And I liked the way they left it. I'm desperately waiting for them to announce that it's been renewed. I hope it's it will be. It was like number one worldwide, though. So I, it has to be renewed, I hope. Yeah. But like when it comes to Netflix, I never. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So I'm holding my breath, hoping, praying, please, to all the saints that it gets renewed. And it surprised me a little bit in the direction that it went in. But mm. also... You know, when you combine two books and two very different plot lines and two different casts of characters, obviously you're going to have to change some things up. Um, So I'm just very hopeful that we get another season because where they left us was very exciting. That's nice. I still have not watched it, but it's on my, I've been watching other stuff. It's on my to be watched. So that might be the thing I get into this weekend. Yes. I'm always looking for more stuff to watch because we are, you helped me map out my Lee Bardugo YA plan. Like watch that and then read <laughs> Six of Crows. Like I got my whole plan. I got it planned out. It's mapped out. So just got to execute it. Yes. But yeah. Sounds fun. Sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a whole thing for me to do over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I approve. Okay. Well, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. All right. So I'm excited for Mm -hmm. our, is this like the third time that we've done a little book club read for book together? Yeah. I think it's, it's always really fun because Mm -hmm. if you are a frequent listener to this podcast, you know, Eric and I love to talk. So (laughs) hello. uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's nice when we can talk about one book instead of forcing ourselves to like get through like, you know, five to eight books. And so we're just going to talk about this one book. But our book club pick for this season is 
All My Rage by Sabata here, which is the National Book Award winner, the Prince Award winner, um, has been getting all of the accolades and praise and hype. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to admit that I hadn't read it before we decided that we wanted to do it for the show. Um, But I was like, this will be a good excuse because it just won the Prince when we decided that we wanted to pick it. And I was like, I have to read the Prince Award winner. And oh my God, it ripped my heart out. (sighs) Yo, I... Yeah, I didn't know how real this was going to get. You know, like the little summary or whatever was cute. She didn't get into it, though. She left. I was like, all right, it's a family saga. You know, things get real. Okay. And, you know, a few pages into it, I I was like, all right, okay. I can see, like, you know, it's rough. Like, his mom is sick. Yeah. But then it started, like, snowballing. And I was like, wait, slow down. (coughs) I need some water. I know. Well, and like, like, yeah, like they don't really give you a lot of details about the plot if you look up yeah. the marketing or, or like what the book is about on on the publisher's website or on Amazon or something like that. Even on the front cover, it's a little bit vague. And so it's kind of hard to know like what exactly you're getting into. Like they mostly give you like vibes and a setting. Yeah. And the, the flap of this book is just basically like heartbreak betrayal forgiveness and you're gonna cry a ton and i'm like okay i'm, I'm into this but you're right like you get into it and you're like oh my gosh where is this yeah. going to go yeah and um you get a certain point and you're like okay i think i know where this is going to go but like that's not cool i'm not happy about this um it's gonna break your heart but in a good way i would say mm, kind of cathartic or something yeah yeah Oof. So because of the reasons you just said, which is that like not a lot is given away in the like official book blurbs and the, the book jackets and stuff. The first part of like our discussion is going to be like generally like setting up the characters and stuff. And then because this is a book club episode, we're going to get into some spoilery things. So yeah. heads up on that. But basically continue i have the book here so if you hear some rustling i'm just look because i put my little um what do you call these little sticky doodads in the book are they your little flags yeah the little flags i couldn't think of the name thank you um <laughs> because some of these phrases honey miss to hear sabah some of these some of these turns of phrase i was like oh dang ooh, they were hidden so i was like all right let me yes. let me um flag some of these real quick fast but basically, it's about Salahuddin and Noor, who are best friends. They've been best friends forever. And they are they are two Muslim people. And they are living in this, like, small town in California. It's called Juniper. And they are, they kind of, like, because of the lack of diversity in the rest of the town, um, they've kind of, were, like, kind of forced together in a way. But... When we meet them, we see that Noor is stressed out for, um, she's stressed out because she's trying to get into school. And we see early on that her uncle is like kind of weird about religion. Like he doesn't want her to practice being a Muslim. He's like ashamed of it kind of basically. And she has to work in his liquor store and he takes care of her basically because she was orphaned by an earthquake that hit Pakistan years ago. Then Salahuddin, um, his parents run, his mother, excuse me, his mother runs their hotel and she's sick. So 
And then also we find out that Salahuddin and Noor, as I said before, they were like super duper besties, but something awkward happened. And Salahuddin's response to Noor, like it was really awkward and off-putting and she got mad at him. So they're not talking. And that's basic. That's basically where the book opens up. Let me know if I've missed anything. No, that's, that's about right. Yeah. They both kind of feel like, outcasts even though um Salahuddin sometimes fits in a little bit better he's got like a white girlfriend at the beginning of the book and nor she's just a very angry person and for good reason I mean I too would be angry if I lost my entire family in a tragic natural disaster at age six and then was whisked away to a different country to live by my uncle who doesn't really want to take care of me and forces me to work in his liquor store and is emotionally abusive. Like, that that would be very angering. Yeah. So that's kind of where the book starts. And then at the beginning of the book, we learn that Salahuddin's mother, Misbah, is very ill. And she's been ill for a number of months. They know that she's ill, but she refuses to go to the doctor and get the treatment she needs because they do not have health insurance. The motel is basically their only source of income because Salahuddin's father is an alcoholic and has lost his job. And so um, she's not doing very well. And um, Noor is visiting her when she collapses. And basically within like the first 50 pages or so of the book, um, Mispa dies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's very sad. That's like the mm-hmm. very first sad thing that happens in the book where you're just like, oh, oh of the first of, of many. Mm-hmm. Of many. Yeah. Like, yeah. so know that this book starts out with some sadness and it just yeah. kind of goes from there. And, um, you know, the one bright spot, if if it can be called a bright spot of Misbah's death, is that Salahuddin really needs somebody and he needs Noor. And so they kind of um, call a little bit of a truce on their standoff and they start talking again. And um, Nora will come over to the motel and help him out around the motel. Um, Salahuddin will talk to her at school. They they kind of have like this very wary understanding of like, okay, this really awful thing happened. We both mm-hmm. miss, you know, your mom, but we'll help each other out. But that's that's not it because, of course, um, Salahuddin is basically the only one trying to keep the motel afloat. And he wants to keep it afloat to honor his mom. Noor wants to go off to college. They both want these things very badly and they both feel extremely out of reach and they both make some decisions to try to get what they want. Um, And they don't always communicate with each other. And then things get pretty intense. Um, So I don't don't know if we want to kind of end our non-spoilerly version of this chat right here just to say like i i mean i will just say this real quick i love the book i thought it was beautiful i one of the things that i really love about it is that we got um chapters from misbah's point of view so she yes i love that yeah she kind of like pops in here and there Um, most of the book alternates between Noor and Salahuddin and then um we get Mispa every now and then and it yeah. starts off with Mispa at like age 18 when she finds yeah. out that she's been engaged um to be married it's an arranged marriage and then it kind of goes throughout the years and oh it's so beautiful because you definitely get a different perspective on 
you know, the past and, and history and you can understand yeah. why we've ended up where we've ended up. But it also is kind of heartbreaking at the same time. So I love it. I love that, too. I love Mispa's. It could have been it could have worked with just Noor and Salahuddin's perspectives, like the alternating chapters that it like, will you know, alternate between their perspectives between the chapters. But Mispa's Mispa's um, chapters and they're always like just very like short, kind of like a sprinkling. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that just sent it over the edge. Like, I yes. love that it showed the context for especially Salahuddin's father. Um, like the history of that is revealed of that, like that as in his, you know, the origins of his alcoholism and stuff like that. But I like that there's this parallel between that's drawn between Mispa and Noor and Salahuddin because they're showing Mispa when she was their age, as opposed to just showing her as the now in the now, which is, you know, their or Salahuddin's 40 something year old mother. Mm-hmm. So I like that it showed the three of them about around the same age. So I really like that. I will also say before we get into the spoiler section of this discussion, that I also really liked it. I was telling Tirza before we started recording that a couple of times I had to put the book down to cry because I was just, it was like really, it, it was really intense. Trigger warnings. <laughs> just yes. that. Trigger warnings. And it was rage inducing because I was so, I was like, all right, all my rage. Yeah. Cause I want to talk to some people. I want to call the police. I want to fight someone. I want to get confrontational. I'm mad. Like, this is, you know, such, such injustice. But the, the so the title fits. You will cry. Yes. Great book. As I said earlier, some beautiful writing. Just all the all around well well done. So yes. that's my piece on that. Yeah. So before we dive into the more spoilerly parts of this chat, I would like to just share the content warnings that are actually at the front of the book. So if you don't have a copy of the book in front of you, or if you're kind of like, oh, maybe you like spoilers and you just want to listen to us talk about this book before you um, pick it up, um, know that All My Rage um, includes drug and alcohol addiction, there's physical abuse, there's Islamophobia, there's mentions of of repressed sexual assault. The sexual assault does not occur on the page, though. Um, And then there's also some tense exchanges with law enforcement, terminal illness, and death of a parent. So actually multiple deaths of a parent. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But yeah, so that those are our content warnings. So just just FYI. Um, But yes, oh my goodness. (sighs) Where do we even begin, Erica? Where, where, where? Actually, before we do, before we do, so we can just get like real good and comfortable, why don't we hear from our sponsor real quick and then we'll come right back. All right, Tirza, where do we begin? <laughs> where do we begin, Tirza? I, I started trying to make take notes and I was like, this ain't going to work because like I said, I started getting my feelings. I will say Sometimes the trigger warnings, like I don't read them because I'll be like, I'll be all right. Like, I don't want to, I want to be surprised. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they exist for a reason. So I'm not knocking them. Of course, I think they're yeah. good. And, you know, just for me, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go into this. I saw I said trigger warnings. And I was like, all right, some, you know, some real stuff's about to happen. But I didn't read what they, what they were. So I didn't fully see them coming. <laughs> I saw, I knew something was going on with Noor. Yeah. She was like sore. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing that I think, like, almost going back and doing a second reading, you would kind mm-hmm. of benefit from, like, picking up on those little nuances and those little hints and details. Mm-hmm. Because both Noor and Salahuddin have these, have had these, like, very horrible, traumatic awful physical things happen to them yeah and you don't quite understand or know like what the root cause of that is mm-hmm. but um the author is definitely dropping hints throughout the book and so you know you might not get it by like page 30 but like by page 130 you're like oh it's starting to to like come together and that's kind of it's almost like why this book is even more of a like an emotional gut punch because then you're like oh like she doesn't come out and say you know Nora's being physically abused by her uncle i feel like and i like how it was revealed because i remember like the first okay let me back up a little bit the mental part of it for nor when she would start to resent her uncle Like, you know, she's trying to work hard. She's working hard in school. She has to come to this raggedy old liquor store and work there with these handed, you know, hand-me-down, busted-down things he'd just be throwing at her, you know, as a second thought. And I remember the first time, first couple times, like, she would start to, like, the anger would start to build up in her surrounding him. And she would, like, basically repeat this mantra in her head, like... There was an earthquake in Pakistan 10 years ago and my everyone died and my uncle saved me and his nails were ripped out and they said there was no point. The rescuer said there was no point, but he kept digging and he saved me and I owe my life to him. Like yeah. the first time she's, you know, that's revealed. It's like, okay, so I guess he kind of does care for her. And so then the second time she says it, you're like, wait a minute. This sounds like some kind of coping thing. So I like how that was introduced because it's like to someone who doesn't know, we don't know what's going on with Nora not yet. Nora knows, you know, we're, we're being shown this slowly, but to someone else, like say if you were Nora's friend in real life and she told you about her uncle and she said that part, you'd be like, Oh my God, that was so like heroic of him. That was so nice because she wants, she's in denial in denial and also protecting herself as she can, as she's able to in her situation. And so I think that part and other parts of the book, it shows how like you can know someone in real life and they're being abused, whether it's sexually, mentally, physically, or all the above. And these hints are dropped, but it's hard to really know. Like say you find out down the line that, these horrible things were happening to them this whole time. And you start to feel guilt, like, oh, how could I not have seen it? How did I not know? I wish I would have helped them, et cetera, et cetera. But this is how it is. Like, you know, people will try to protect themselves and they'll be kind of deceptive about it for various reasons. Um, Nor had no other family. So it's like, if he went to jail, where would she go? Um, And also his part of his abuse was telling her that and making her know that, she would be treated like crap. And honestly, the way our Children's Protective Services is, she probably would have been treated like crap. Like, she's a brown Muslim girl who wants to pray. And, you know, she wants to participate in her her culture and her religion. She wants to remember that and honor that. And we saw from the rest of the town that that wasn't tolerated by everyone. But I like how... I like how Sabati here, how that 
was built up. Like I said, at first, it's like, oh, he's this great guy. All right. Like, okay, he's a little cold. You know, maybe he's a little quirky. Like, maybe Mm -hmm. he's just, like, not that, not naturally warm, but he's a good person underneath it all. And then the second time she says it, you're like, okay, now hold up a minute. And then the third time, you're like, now wait a minute. (laughs) Something's wrong here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's definitely trying to convince herself and or, you know, hide the facts that, you know he's terrible and but she she has nobody else and and that is sad and uh yeah the way that was done was really beautiful mm-hmm. and heartbreaking at the same time um you also talked about how much nor wants to um pray and that is one thing that i really enjoyed about this book was um its treatment of of religion and faith and mm. how um different people you know view religion and faith because nor is a faithful person and she Mm -hmm. is you know a bit more she's more of a practicing you know person of her faith whereas salahuddin not quite as much and then of course her uncle thinks that um it's just you know religion is is terrible and he berates her for for believing in religion and he you know her uncle is also the type of person who wouldn't let her speak anything but english doesn't want her to be taking part in anything that you know harkens back to pakistan like just completely wants to assimilate into american culture and that is also abusive i would say because you know this we're talking about a kid who at six lost everything and then was plucked out of her you know homeland and brought to a new country and then basically told like assimilate or i will you know beat you you, and yeah and then she so she had no choice um but she does have mispa who you know doesn't recognize necessarily that nor is being physically abused but knows that her uncle is not good for her and tries to you know be a mother to her in in any way that she can and, and be kind and generous to her and that is lovely but yeah, it's 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 sad, but I also really liked that there like some prominent characters in the book were like faith leaders and people in the community mm. looking out for Noren Salahuddin. Speaking of faith leaders and Muslim Islam and stuff like that, I like how they showed like each like either Muslim or Pakistani person was a different representation of Pakistan and Islam. Like Everyone had their own different thing going on. And so it's like, it's not just, and this is not to minimize this at all, but it's not just like, you know, Muslim women wearing hijabs and being harassed. But I mean, there is that too. And people trying to practice their faith. You have like different versions. You have Mizpah, who is this kind, like motherly figure who is very, spiritual and believes in God and like makes it kind of poetic when she talks about it. Then you have Khadija, who I think is, if I recall correctly, is black American. And there are significantly fewer black American Muslims. So she's, she has her own set of experiences and stuff that comes with that. I believe her husband was Pakistani, but I don't remember. Khadija is an attorney. Khadija's husband is the imam of their little it's a very small gathering they have. And then you have Noor, who I think Noor kind of subverts that idea of, or that trope or whatever you want to call it, of this kid who came from another country 
and is different and brown and practices a different religion, eats different food. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times we see people like people at that age because they don't fit in. They want to reject their culture, their religion or whatever, but she wants to embrace it. Like she goes out of her way to do so and like risks her uncle's wrath in doing so. Then you have her uncle who is, so people, different communities of color have certain words that are derogatory that refer to people from that community who want to be white, like who shun their culture and want to be white. I know the term for a Pakistani person who does that. I'm not going to say it because it's disrespectful, but that's what he is. It's like, not only does he want to leave his culture behind and become American, he wants to be white American. It's a very specific kind of um, thing. Then you have Salahuddin, who's kind of more casual with it. So I like all the different representations of Muslims and, you know, former Muslims and Pakistanis and just everything surrounding that. I think everyone gave like all together. It was a, uh, a nuanced representation of it. Yeah, it definitely was. And I'm enjoying seeing more YA books that tackle faith in, mm. in discussions of faith. I mean, obviously, I, I'm not going to say like, oh, there have been a serious lack because there's been a lot that do that from like the Christian perspective. Yeah. But I appreciate seeing that in um, with Muslim characters, with Jewish characters, just seeing that, um, you know, it's a book that's not about religion and it's not about religious faith um, because there are some YA books that really do center the plot around religion. I don't think this one does that, but like it is a part of the character's life and it's a part of the character. And I think that that is really cool to see and um, just to like also normalize because, you know, they live in a small town. They don't even have a mosque there. They share a room with like the Jewish folks and they, you know, so that they're very, it's a very small place where they're just sharing a space, Mm -hmm. but yet there's still a community there. And I think that that aspect would be, you know, somewhat understandable for people who grow up or live in small towns. Like I live in a small town where, you know, we don't also have synagogues or mosques, but I wouldn't say that there aren't Muslim or Jewish people who live in my town. Um, So it's nice to see that representation in a small town as well. So that maybe, you know, teens who grow up in these small towns and they just think like all there is are, are, Christian churches, and there are probably like 15 churches in my town, um, that they understand that like, that's not all that there is. And these, you know, faith communities do exist in small towns as well. So yeah, I, I really liked seeing that. Yeah. I want to ask you, so I think Noor's thing I saw coming not early on, like when the hint started to drop, because I mean, I'm, I'm, before the hint started to drop, I was like, you, you would have to be like clairvoyant to see it to know but like you knew something was wrong because her uncle was just just a nasty piece of work from the beginning anyway but with salahuddin i actually thought oh that's the one where i was like all right i gotta put this down Mm -hmm. (laughs) salahuddin i thought actually that he was neurodivergent i thought he was on the spectrum maybe because he didn't like to be touched and because he had a certain aversion to different smells I thought yeah. it was going to go that direction for a, for a time. And then I was like, oh, no, it's not that. I also was kind of wondering about that mm. because I was like, you know, he doesn't like to be touched. Okay, yeah. what's, you know, what's his deal? And 
you know, but I wasn't I wasn't sure because you know, obviously she wasn't coming out and saying that. Yeah. But then when we find out in Mispa's point of view chapter what really happened to Salahuddin, and he doesn't know. That's what's so like, I guess heartbreaking about it is something horrible happens to Salahuddin when he's a very young child and Misbah has chosen not to tell him about it. So now yeah. he's a teenager who's averse to touch and and his body remembers. But he does not. Mm, and mm, I, mm. you know, that got me too because I think that there could be fewer things that are worse than than knowing that something bad happened, but not not knowing at the same time. And that was that was that surprised me. I didn't see the book going in that direction. Yeah, there was a so with you saying that. I want to share for a second. Like I think there is a book called The Body. Oh, the body keeps score. Yeah, I was gonna say the body remembers. I'm like, that's not the name of the book. The body keeps score. So, I worked as a sexual assault and domestic violence victim advocate. Like when I lived in New York City, and also when I lived in Albany for like a spell, like in 2019. And when I was getting trained for it a second time, because a few years had passed since the first training, there was this physical therapy clinic or whatever. And they saw, they realized they kept getting these patients who had these physical, you know, ailments, but that could not be solved. And eventually they realized that it was actually like psychological trauma that was manifesting as physical pain. And so they started referring them to psychologists. But for a time it was like, what is going on? Like, you know, their bodies are not responding to the, you know, the physical therapy, the treatment. So it's like they still have these physical pain. So it's just interesting, like physical, like trauma, like it's a physical thing, like emotional mm-hmm. abuse. It turns into this physical thing that lies, like manifests and becomes incarnate in your body. Um, and I mean, that has, I don't know, I think it has interesting implications for, I think if you widen the scope and you look at like, things that affect big groups at a time, like slavery, like um, how indigenous people were treated, you know, residential schools, sexual assault. When you think of it like that, I feel like, I don't know, I think, I think we should think of trauma. We should start thinking of trauma as like a physical assault. You know what I mean? Even when it's not physical, Uh, Mm -hmm. when it is physical and when it's not like, even after it has happened, even after time has passed, it still can like be rooted in your psyche and take hold of your physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, th- and I mean, that's kind of tying into like the whole theme of this book is just like the trauma and what we hold on to and learning how to forgive. And some things maybe are unforgivable. Like I'm not saying that Nora needs to necessarily forgive her horrible uncle or Salahuddin needs to forgive the person who hurt him, but there is a cost to holding on to that. Yes. Those feelings, that rage. And um, as Nora learns at the end of the book, when she thinks that she's near the end of the book, she thinks she's moved on, but then it just keeps coming back and she realizes that she can't let it go because she hasn't dealt with it. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with like speaking of letting things go and forgiving I feel like I see forgiving as like you're not mad about it, not necessarily that you're buddy-buddy with the person who wronged you. 
I don't know if that is the correct interpretation though, but like, it's not like on your mind. Like it's not making you angry still. And that's yeah. an interesting thing. Like when Salahuddin, all right. So the, some of the characters in here, they're holding on to things that upset them that happened to other people, but they're holding on for themselves. By that, I mean like Salahuddin, he starts selling drugs because he's trying to save his mother's dream. But when we realize, and I think Noor helps him like realize this, is that his mother would not have wanted him to sacrifice himself for a hotel. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have wanted that. She would have been like, you know, sell it if you have to. Like, it's not that. But he wants to hold on to it because he feel like he felt like he failed her. And he wants to try to hold on to something that reminds him of her, that she put her heart into. But meanwhile, she wouldn't have even wanted him to do all that just for a hotel. And then his father, his father is caught up in the misery of what happened to Salahuddin. Because we know like he had issues with alcoholism a little, like he has a family history of it. His downward spiral. Yeah, that was really initiated by Salahuddin when he was assaulted as a young child. And it's like his father is holding on to that pain of that happening to Salahuddin. And in the meantime, he's not being a father to his son. So it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, man. Just thinking about all of this is like hitting me in the feels again. This yep. book. Ugh. So I know we, we've been talking for a while. What did you think of the ending and Salahuddin's decision? Wait, which decision? To, to speak before the judge. Oh, yeah, he had to do that. He did. He had to do that. I was surprised his attorney was like, yep, it was Noor. I'm like, bro, you're conscious. Where is it? <laughs> Where's know. your conscience, sir? I know. And the fact that he was like, well, I have to defend you. So even though you're telling me that like Noor didn't have anything to do with the drugs that were in your car, I'm going to throw her under the bus to defend you. Even though that's not what my client wants. I was like, oh, that's so shady. But some of them are like that for real. Oh, yeah. So no, and I agree. Like there was that was like the only thing for Salahuddin to do. I expected that he would do it. But I think like the suspense in that moment was like, will it be enough to redeem his relationship with Noor? And and it's, you know, in the moment, like he's not sure. And it takes months for her to even figure out if she wants to have that redemption with him. And that makes sense. I mean, in the end, I don't blame him for selling the drugs, honestly. Yeah. Like, what was he supposed to do? Like if he because didn't they also live at the hotel? They did, yeah. So he would have been out of home. Yeah. No food. Yeah. He was definitely in an impossible decision. And he, I'm, I'm like not condoning his decision to sell drugs yeah. because he, as he finds out, his his ex-girlfriend takes drugs that he sells to her and she's in a very bad accident. And it's, it's not a good situation. And it kind of breaks home to him the idea that like, he is responsible for what happens when people are mm-hmm. on these drugs. And, and if they are hurt or killed or, you know, they hurt or kill somebody else and it, it freaks him out, which it should, it should definitely be that very serious, like come to reality moment. Yeah. But like at the same time, like what, what were his choices? Like, yeah. so I'm not condoning his choices, but I understand why he made the choices he did. And he owns it at the end. And I appreciated that. Yeah. 
I feel like that's a part of like being a um, minority in a poor area. Like if you want to survive, what's available to you? So yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not like a good thing to do, but it's also like, this is what happens in rundown towns in places that don't have a lot of job availability that don't have good children, children protective services that don't have good education, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, you know, that's like par for the course with that. And it it was a horrible situation that he was in. Oh, I love too, that he called out the, um, the white kid who was distributing to him. Oh, yeah. He was like the cousin of the girl of his ex. girlfriend. Yeah. And he's like, why do you do this? Like, you know, it hurts people. You don't need the money. You're just doing this for like extra money because you want to like live an interesting life. Like you yeah. need to stop. And I I mean, I appreciated that he called him out like that because it's true. Yeah. No. And then the guy was like, oh, ooh, I guess you're right. Also, I what did you think of this is kind of a minor, more minor point. What did you think of once Salahuddin was actually in jail? And I'm glad that that went as smoothly as it did because I was also scared about him being in prison. Oh, my God. Me too. I was like, oh, my God. My heart can't take it. I can't take no more. Uh, But I'm glad he met up with the dude. It was kind of, I don't know, serendipitous. But, I mean, things like that happen in real life. I'm not even saying that that's not, you know, realistic or anything. But he seemed like he had a good cellmate or whatever. Once he had to get in a couple fights. But it is what it is. Yeah. Listen, so what did you think? I felt like, why did the doctor, remember the doctor was trying to tell him about what happened to him when he oh, was a kid? Yeah. And I'm like, is that a real thing? And I'm like, okay, first of all, she kept calling him before he got arrested and was like, oh, I'm not trying to tell, you know, I'm not trying to like bill you for your mother's hospital stay. I want to tell you something else and about your unique medical history. I'm like, do doctors do that? Because I'm like, what would oh. what would compel her to do that? And then also, in addition to that question, I'm like, why would she tell him that when he's in jail? Yeah. That's, Ain't that the worst time to learn that? That's an interesting thing. I mean, I it seems like she was very well-intentioned. And she yeah. knew. Because at that point, Salahuddin, he would have been 18, right? Yeah. Yeah, 18 or something like that. 18, 19, maybe. I couldn't remember exactly how old he was at, at the point when he goes to jail, but he probably was tried as an adult because he he didn't go to like a juvenile detention center. Yeah, I'm sure that she knew that like his mother was never going to tell him, and then once she died and he was 18, she she maybe felt like she was morally responsible for at least offering to tell him. Yeah. I was a little surprised that he opted not to be told. He, he said, like, you know, basically... I know you know what happened to me, but I don't need you to tell me because I I know I like I don't know exactly what happened, but like my body knows that something bad happened, and I appreciated that she was like you you should talk to somebody like you you can you know go to therapy for this, but yeah that was um, the one bit of little little doctor meddling that made me wonder like would doctors actually do that I don't I don't know I don't know maybe small town pediatricians would. <laughs> You're right. I mean, that's a good point. Because it, it did say how, like, she was his family doctor since forever. And, yeah, I think he saw her at the hospital when his mother was, like, right before his mother passed away. So maybe that's when she remembered or something or got into her head to do that. 
I, I kind of felt like he was going to deal with it once he got out of prison, like go to therapy, whatever. But because I was like, yeah, that's not something you want to learn when you're confined to a box with other people. Right. Right. Like you need to have space to like and you're like not just confined to a box with other people, but you're on the schedule. You're being told what to do. You can't vent. You can't. You know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. not the time. Also, another question. So it's revealed that like he's like at the end, he's like writing this book, basically. Like he's writing down his mother's experiences. So he shows Noor, I think, what like his mother's stories and he um that he's written like from her perspective. And I believe it was like the first sentence of of the book, of mm-hmm. this book that we read, like the opening lines where it's like from Mispa's perspective. So I'm like, is it implying that he is the author of the whole book or just her writing? Oh, you see interesting. What I'm yeah, I see what you're saying. I think she I think that the author was implying that like he was writing her sections or like oh, the okay. chapters of her the chapters that we read that were from her point of view was like what he was working on. Okay, okay, that makes I sense. I think that's I think that's what I meant, but at the same time I'm like I'm okay with it being like a little bit ambiguous there. Yeah, same. I feel the same. Oh my gosh, when Nora was started sending him books while he was <gasps> in prison. Yeah. Oh my god, my heart. My heart. He was like no one else would do this. I know. And she sent him so many books and uh oh, it was so so lovely. Um I really appreciated that little little aspect and that's kind of like the way that they find their way back to each other and he yeah. knows that she's like open to forgiveness because she doesn't write him she doesn't call him but she sends him books while he's in prison and i and i, and I felt that because it's like say you're you're like really upset with someone and i've been like this too where i'm like i really don't want to speak to them i don't want to hear their voice but i want to make sure they're okay yeah like i want them to be like safe and not like in emotional, you know, distress. But I also don't feel like speaking to them right now. <laughs> like I want them to know that they have someone if stuff gets hectic or serious. But also like don't call me unless it's an emergency. Right. And like that was the only way that she could really look after him or make sure that he was okay. Because she's, you know, the fact that he's in prison, she's it's completely out of her control. But but she could send him books. And I just, oh, uh, yeah. That was, like, one of the, the little details that just really grabbed at my heart. So, oh, yeah. uh, such a beautiful <sighs> book. Yeah, it was. So wonderful. I love intergenerational stories. Mm. I love stories like this. And... This one, I I feel like it's a heartbreaker, but it's also a heart mender because yeah. you you feel like so just emotionally wrung out about this book, but then at the same time, like it fills you back up again. Yeah, absolutely. One last thing I yes. just realized. I think Salah Salahuddin's father, I think his name is Tufik. Mm-hmm. I gagged when that reveal, they were like his mom was a sex worker. I was like, oh, because, you know, back then, it's mm-hmm. like that's super duper taboo. And she was an alcoholic and they're Muslim. So it's like, you know, you're not supposed to drink, much less, you know, have an alcohol problem. But I remember one of those times his mom, that's Tufik's mom got, this is a Misba chapter, of course. One of those times his mom got drunk. She was like, you know, I was a sex worker. Well, that's not what she said. She said something else. 
but she said that basically she revealed that and then she said how how her husband saved her and Tufik and I was like oh so did she have Tufik before so like is is Tufik the son of one of her clients I just that was just like a random small thought I have I was like hmm. oh yeah I definitely yeah. read that as you know her husband was Tufik's you know, stepfather, but, yep. you know, was was definitely claiming Tufik as his son. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, they never tell you who Tufik's father really was. But, yeah, oh, such a sad family history, but also, yeah. I think, a good, I mean, a good sort of demonstration of, like, the struggle of addiction. It does, it does pass through genetically, and that's really hard. Yeah, I feel, yeah, it was genetic and also trauma-based. Because then there's intergenerational yes. trauma. Like, yes. my, my aunt was telling me how, like, and again, I think she was talking about this in the context of slavery, but it applies to any super big, you know, traumatic thing like war, famine, whatever. Like, the trauma of it changes, like, um, cells undergo methyl methylination. I forgot how to say it. Methylization, something with the methyl group. Darn it! Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically changes some aspects of your genes, and you pass that on to your kids. So it's like again the idea of trauma becoming manifest and becoming physical, and being this physical thing rather than only an emotional disturbance, and you passing that on to your kids, and then them having to deal with something that they didn't experience, but that you did. So I felt like that was that mm-hmm. was kind of also a theme in the book as well. Yeah, definitely. All like all the generational trauma, how difficult it is to kind of break free of that cycle. Yes, the cycle exactly. Tafik did not break free of that cycle. No, but hopefully Salah Houdin and Nora do. So oh. <sighs> but I feel hopeful for them. That I like do. we li- we leave them in a hopeful place. They yeah, at least there's that. Uh, I had to. I had to walk. I had to listen to like some music, some Beyonce or something after this last night. I was like, "Oof, yeah, that was a lot." So I could go to sleep. Yes, <laughs> I was so upset. But like, yeah, at least like you said, it did end on a very hopeful note. So there's that. There's at least that. <laughs> so. If you haven't read this book, hopefully all of our talk about how traumatizing and deep and heavy it was Mm. doesn't turn you off because it really is an excellent, beautiful book with just gorgeous line level writing Mm. and it will make your heart feel full after reading it. So definitely do pick up a copy. Now I'm curious, real quick, have Mm. you read Sabata Here's other YA novels, the fantasy series? No, I have not. They've been on my list for a minute. What would you... Do you have something in in mind in particular? Well, it's a theory, so you have to read them in order. So start with An Ember and the Ashes. Um, I read the first two or three, but I never read the final book. And now I'm like... Why, why haven't I not picked up that final book? Like, I need to go do that. So um, I might be feeling inspired to go finish out the Ember and the Ashes series now. I'm definitely, like you said, the line level writing. Like, I, I have the book here. I was ready to, like, read some lines or something if we had the time. I was like, yeah, I got a couple things underlined. So yes, that level of writing, yeah, I it's getting bumped up my, my TBR. Anything by her. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So hopefully we get some more great books from Sabata here sometime in the future. But um, I guess in the meantime, we should drop this up. Otherwise, we're going to go way over, (gasps) which is very easy for us to do. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Oh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, please feel free to leave us feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It lets us know how we're doing, but also helps others find us. And if you want to email us directly, you can always do that at heyya@bookriot.com. Don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thank you to today's sponsors for helping make this show possible. And thanks, as always, to our awesome audio editor, Jen Sink. Um, you can follow me. I hang out on Twitter and Instagram at, at Tears of Price. And how about you, Erica? I'm on Twitter at Erica underscore EZE underscore. Awesome. Well, we will be back um, to chat with you in a couple of weeks. It will be Poetry Week or Poetry Ooh. Week, Poetry Month. Poetry. So I believe we're talking about novels and verse. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's, that's coming up. But um, yeah, in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> <laughs>